This podcast is to discuss meaningful topics and issues from the lens of two Khmerican sisters and other diverse community leaders. Today's topic is social justice at home and abroad with Mandy Kwan. Welcome back to our podcast. We are your two Khmerican sisters, Jasmine and Melissa, and we are pleased to invite a special guest speaker today. She is my friend and former colleague. To tell you more about Mandy Kwan, she was born and raised in Seattle and went to school, lived, and worked across the United States and abroad. She grew up volunteering and being actively involved in her community in Seattle. All she ever really knew was her multicultural community until she started participating in arts and leadership programs, specifically for BIPOC youth, and that's Black Indigenous People of Color. These programs exposed her to the world and showed her how her background was an asset, not a deficit. Mandy is very proud to be a first-generation college graduate who graduated debt-free. Because of her upbringing, she enjoys languages, traveling, and learning about other cultures. In addition to speaking different dialects of Chinese, she is also fluent in Spanish. So welcome, Mandy. Thanks for joining us this evening. Thanks, you too. <laughs> Hi, Mandy. It's nice to finally virtually meet you, and thank you for submitting a feature on our website. You're so welcome. Yeah, no, when Jasmine reached out, you know, just kind of announcing uh, the project, I was like, oh, yes, I'm always about supporting friends and just people oh, doing projects because, um, yeah, I think that's just what life should be about, you know, like yeah. just pursuing the things we're interested in and using what we're interested in to make change in the world. So, mm -hmm. yeah, when Jasmine reached out, I was like, of course, I will, <laughs> I will help out. I will do what I need to do. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you for being a supporter. And I just want to say that I checked out your website, mandyquan.com, and it looks so nice. And I, <laughs> I love your portfolio. That was kind of like my college gift to myself was like, okay, I will buy my name. That is it's so been, smart. <laughs> it's been my website for a while now. Yeah. I'm so inspired by that. I might start one up myself. <laughs> yes. Take, someone name. does. Yeah. yeah, it's a great idea. So what was it like growing up Asian American in Seattle, more specifically Chinese American? And I know when we've talked together before, you've told me about the differences that you've seen over the years. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so Seattle, like most cities in the United States, um, is very segregated and that's because of racial covenants. And so basically those are basically deeds written in um, land agreements that said, you know, certain people from specific backgrounds couldn't live in specific areas. And so that's the history of Seattle that a lot of people don't actually know about. Um, so when we talk about like redlining and people being forced to live in like specific areas of Seattle, like when people think of Seattle, I think a lot of people think, oh, it's liberal, but there are tons of policies that have prevented um, BIPOC folks from owning land and just living in particular areas of the city. So um, me being Chinese American and a person of color, uh, my family, we lived in specific areas of the city. And so I lived in like a very multicultural neighborhood and I had neighbors from all different countries who spoke tons of different languages. And so for me, like multiculturalism was all that I ever really knew because I only ever had neighbors who spoke different languages. And it wasn't even like English that united all of us. It was food that people 
shared with each other. Um, it was bike riding until 10 p.m. at night in the summers and having our parents like yell and scream at us to like come back home. Um, <laughs> Those are the days. Yeah. So that kind of like painted my childhood of just seeing and being around people who are very different than me and eating different foods from different cultures all the time. Um, and I would say also growing up Chinese American, um, I spent a lot of time in the Chinatown International District. And so I think for me as a first generation Chinese American, it was really great to um, be in like youth programs in Chinatown with other Chinese and Asian Americans um, who are also like from different generations of being here in the United States. And so I think that also really broadened my experiences and interactions with folks who also identify with um, different parts of my identity. So yeah, I don't know what I would have done without like the Chinatown International District community growing up. Yeah, I think Chinatown area has such a colorful history and is a melting pot of different cultures. And I remembered I read a book called Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet. The story takes place in Seattle's Japantown during World War II when Japanese families were rounded up and sent to internment camps. And it's a story of friendship and innocent love between a Chinese-American son and a Japanese-American daughter. And if you want to learn more about American history that's set in the Seattle area, specifically Japantown and Chinatown, lots of historic sites are mentioned. I highly recommend this beautifully written novel. Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet by Jamie Ford, who is the great-grandson of Nevada mining pioneer Ming Chang, who immigrated from Kaiping, China to San Francisco in 1865. Anyways, I digress. But it takes place in Seattle's uh, Japantown. Oh, yeah. And that's, like, right next to Chinatown, which is also, like, next to Little Saigon. Yeah, even, like, the China International District is just, like, it's not just Chinese-American. It's also all these other cultures as well so yeah there was one cambodian restaurant (laughs) (laughs) and i think it's back yeah yes yeah Yeah. and they're now in a new building that's great that you found community within your neighborhoods and how about for your parents did they feel welcomed did they go to chinatown very often every week yeah i mean chinatown was like their i mean outside of like instructional aids in um, our elementary and middle schools. Um, They went to Chinatown for everything, like to find resources, to go to the doctor, to go to the pharmacy. Like my parents, they still go to um, one of the oldest pharmacies in Chinatown. (laughs) And so, yeah, I just remember like growing up, um, my parents, they would always go get dim sum with friends and family. And so it was like a place to hang out. place to develop film for photos or like the um, film from our cameras, um, place to hang out with friends and family. So yeah, we spent a lot of time there. And I think that was because um, there wasn't like a language barrier. And also um, I think it was just like, you know, whenever you're in like a new place, you always want to find um, community. And I think it's like, oh, there are people who like understand your background and speak your language that's kind of like where you go to first um yeah and so then in my neighborhood in seattle um yeah i mean you know growing up like 
my neighbors, we all got along really well, even though we were, we all came from different backgrounds. And I think that was because we were all um, immigrants or working class folks in the community. And so I think it was just, there was like that common understanding that, you know, we have worked really hard to be here. And so uh, I think there was a lot of that camaraderie and respect. And even though it's, um, it's a very gentrified neighborhood now, Mm -hmm. uh, like you were telling me that. Yeah, like growing up, um, even though it's like, whenever we would like, say where we're from, and a lot of white people would be like, Oh, that's like such a dangerous neighborhood or something. Um, like the folks who lived around us, like we never really saw it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that's also because, you know, like we didn't grow up with a lot. And so it's like, we were all just used to each other, like being different. Well, I really enjoy learning about like how you grew up and living in the Seattle area. Cause uh, in our experience, we have lived so far away from the main city. And so it was really interesting to hear your story. Um, but it must have been such a, a fun and positive experience to be surrounded by uh, diverse people. You know, this is also something that I wanted to mention too. Like, um, so again, like my parents, like they went to Chinatown to like, you know, get resources. And also they went there to go see the doctor. And I remember um, my brothers and I, we started swimming because our doctor, you know, suggested it to my parents at a really young age. And um, it was really nice because we went to the community center pool um, in our neighborhood. And it just felt really nice to, like, basically, we had black and brown swim instructors, which is just, you know, swimming is a very white sport. And so just growing up and having like black swim instructors, Filipina swim instructors, um, Latinx swim instructors, like that made a really, that had a really big impact on me. And I think when I was thinking about, you know, there were tons of Instagram stories about how, you know, all these young children are seeing Kamala Harris as like VP. It's like, you know, when you see someone who looks like you doing it, then it like becomes that much closer to like feeling attainable. And so for me, it was like swimming was such a joy because, um, and I don't know if it was also because like the swimming pool was also like full of people of color too, because again, um, where we grew up in Seattle, but yeah, that was just a really nice way to learn how to swim with people who, <laughs> who looked like us. Yeah, um, that's important, yeah. especially at a young age. Yeah, representation is so important. Jasmine yes. and I don't really know how to swim. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's also, you know, in low income and in communities of color, there is like higher percentages of drowning and deaths uh-huh. in the water. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I'm, sh- and you know, it's also like this case with, tons of other sports as well just like this disparity with who has access to it yeah so yeah no it made a big difference like just seeing folks like us teaching folks like us (laughs) yeah absolutely and we read that you have a passion for world travel so we wanted to learn more about what sparked your interest to travel and how did you catch the travel bug yeah so how did I catch the travel bug um you know And I don't know if you two can relate to this, but I felt like as I got older, I started navigating more and more white spaces through leadership programs and just programs that allowed young folks of color to kind of see more um, outside of our communities. And so I think, you know, as I started um, 
where do I begin? This is like such a really long thing. Um, I think as I started finding myself in more of these white spaces and higher education and work and internships, um, one of the things that I really missed about my community growing up was just different languages. Mm -hmm. And also my community was also part of the reason why I decided to learn Spanish. Um, I found that, you know, whenever I was able to travel or go to a different country, I was able to kind of put myself back in uh, my memories of my childhood <laughs> of being around people who are very different. And um, it's, yeah, so I think that's, you know, to put it simply, I really, the more, the more that I found myself in white spaces, the more I longed for um, that diversity and multiculturalism that really embodied my childhood. And I found that through travel and through also tons of community work um, and advocacy work in my community in Seattle. But when I was in Vermont, that was uh, a very different story. And so, yeah, <laughs> traveling became a way to uh, bring myself closer to that in some ways. What was your experience like living abroad? So you were there for an extended period of time. So how were you able to enter the communities and just be a part of that? You know, when I was in Madrid, it was really interesting because there were Chinese people who, who are there for different reasons. And so there are Chinese folks who were there on business or, you know, like that saying, like people who consider themselves like expats and people who are immigrants. I absolutely hate that because I feel like there's kind of like a bougie connotation to being an expat versus you know, if you identify as a refugee or if you identify as an immigrant, then you get kind of treated differently when you say that. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really thought about that until I was in Madrid because I met Chinese folks who were there um, doing business uh, for corporations or for international what have you. Mm -hmm. And then I also met uh, Chinese folks who ran convenience stores. And it was so interesting seeing how Chinese people who ran convenience stores were treated. Mm. And um, in the different areas that I met Chinese people who were there for business and how they were treated. Um, and so I think for me being Chinese American and not, um, you know, not having like a convenience store and having that community there and not being there for like international business, um, I found myself kind of like caught in between the like three identities of being um, Chinese American, uh, being a Chinese Spaniard who is there for business and a Chinese Spaniard who is there, um, you know, running a convenience store. So that was really hard to navigate. Um, and I don't think that's something that I've figured out how to navigate and be comfortable in quite yet. So I think there's a lot of privileges that come with holding a passport from the United States. Mm -hmm. And I think just with English being um, like the language, I forgot what it's called, but like, it's like the language of basically if you go to an airport anywhere, like there will always be English signs. Like the standard so language. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of soft power in mm -hmm. like U S diplomacy mm -hmm. and just like the power of the passport to take you places. And I felt like, you know, it was really interesting navigating like the privileges that come with holding a passport. And then also just with, um, I'm going to put like the foreign policy hat on my head, but like just understanding like China's economic growth in the last 30 years. 
um, kind of like understanding those dynamics and those two identities that I hold. It's interesting because we relate a little bit since we're Southeast Asian and our parents came here because of the war. Like we have a different story than other immigrants. So that's interesting that you brought that up with what you saw. And I, yeah. I also love to travel and I travel for business and for pleasure. And I will have to say traveling for business is so different from traveling, traveling like on vacation. My first time traveling was backpacking and, and studying oh. abroad as well. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it, like the raw experience where you live like a local. But when you're on business, I feel like you're not really exposed. Yeah, you can buy the Fiji water. You can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, so it's, more it's really different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I felt like it made me more aware, although I was like very aware of racism and segregation like as I got older in Seattle, but I think just experiencing it um, in different countries made me realize how like the world is just united in um, colonialism, imperialism, and white supremacy in many ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember um, when my friend, he's Black, he came to visit me in Madrid and we wanted to get dim sum. And I was like, you know, there is a big Chinese community in Madrid. Um, I know that there's also a big community just outside of the city center. And so mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, we should go um, explore and go have lunch there. And it was really interesting. Like we found a dim sum restaurant and I think, you know, a black person and a Chinese American person who doesn't speak like their Chinese dialect and um, who doesn't speak Spanish, who don't speak Spanish perfectly, like just walking in and asking if they're open and if they have space for two people. Um, That was a really interesting dynamic because when we were at the restaurant, they, they almost like, like the way that they kind of were hesitant in seating us, um, you know, just that experience of not being able to be served um, Mm -hmm. or like people not wanting to serve us. That was, uh, that was, it wasn't a first for me and it wasn't a first for my friend either, Mm -hmm. but we both wondered like, is it because I came with my black friend or is it because I'm not like a specific Chinese person to them? Um, yeah, so that was really interesting, like, to experience that, and we, like, spent the whole day, like, trying to hash that out. I mean, eventually we were seated, and we got our food, but, um, yeah, we were just treated really differently, and to this day, we don't know if it was because we just showed up as, like, outsiders to the community, um, but that's something that I always think about is, like, how I show up in different spaces, and, Um, How can I like just, yeah, be in spaces where I might be different, but also ensure that I'm still, um, yeah, treated respectfully. Well, that's great that you and your friend had the conversation about that, because I'm sure that left you feeling uncomfortable, like throughout that time. And I feel like as POCs, we always think about that. Like, there have been times where I'm in a meeting or professional development, and I'm the only brown person in the room. So Um, Thanks for mentioning that because traveling isn't always just perfect, like picture perfect. You do experience um, challenges and and we can just think about how they've been brought up in our differences. Mm -hmm. Because I also experienced similar things in Italy um, Mm -hmm. where there are a lot of Chinese Asian tourists there and 
Um, and I know they don't mean any harm, but it's just like the way that we've grown up and the places that we've been. So, but it's interesting to think about, well, how do people act and where is that coming from? And you wish you could ask them more, but. And it's like, I feel like, you know, the world is just so, we're all just so interconnected with each other more than ever with like the internet, social media. I just feel like we have to get comfortable being around different people yeah. and being open to understanding how we can like coexist. Right. Um, and I think there are still very big steps that we need to take as a whole, like as global citizens. Yeah, but that's good that you're checking in with yourself because we can show up and represent ourselves, you know, but you also have to take a moment to kind of take care of yourself. Yeah. And like when you're in a different country, yeah, like you want to speak up, but then you also don't if you're a foreigner because you don't want to cause any issues. I really like the point that you brought up because it's something that a lot of people in our people of color community experience when they travel. Yeah, so I'm sure they resonate with that. All right. So what did you learn about yourself while working in a corporate setting? And what do you hope to accomplish in the future? You know, the biggest thing is it's so important to speak up for yourself in that setting. Um, otherwise, other people would write my story for me. And I say that because I'm a very introspective person and I'm always thinking about the things that I do and why I'm doing things. And I remember, uh, I think it was like my first year out of college and I always, like that was kind of like the way I got to know my coworkers. I would ask them like, how did you get here? <laughs> and I think that's also kind of like the journalist in me, like, how did you get here? Tell me more about it. And a lot of people uh, would tell me that they kind of just found themselves there on this career path of theirs and they just stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's also like my upbringing, like being the first, um, you know, the first generation in my family to go to college, being like, you know, my parents, they didn't have office jobs. And I think it's also like, yeah, just growing up with this mindset to never take things for granted. Um, I think that like really struck me as, oh, like people just kind of find themselves in places. Like, how does that work? There's like so much privilege in that. Oh, I just found myself here. <laughs> and um, and I think it was like the more that I, you know, engaged with folks and learned more about how people like got promoted and how people um, ended up doing other things in the workplace, um, I realized that it's like, you know, if you don't speak up for yourself, then other people are going to think that you want to do something and they'll kind of like just end up writing your story for you. And so, yeah, I think definitely, especially as um, BIPOC in uh, white corporate settings, it's really important for us to find allies and also um, accomplices who will, you know, stand up mm -hmm. with us and for us. Um, and to also, like, even if we may not know exactly what we want to do, like, to still say the things that we want to see or experience, because if we don't, then someone's going to, like, think that we want to be manager of blah, 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 and then, you know, we'll think that we should be grateful to be there, and we'll just, like, continue going down on that path, and then look yeah. back five years later and be like, what was I doing? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's the biggest thing I probably learned was uh, to not let someone else write your story for you. Yeah. And what do you hope to accomplish to accomplish in the future? 
when I'm on my deathbed, I want to um, just know that I've devoted my time in some way to making the future better than what it was for me. Like whoever thought about the future for me, like I just want to make the world better than how it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just knowing that the people around me uh, are also able to dream big because uh, I feel like I'm constantly dreaming big and I think that that's so liberating and I want that to be the case for all of us and especially us in like the BIPOC community. Wow, that's so amazing. But I feel like people are taking steps to have courageous conversations. So hopefully like the more that we can make an impact on people around us in the spaces that we are in, the better. So I'm glad that you have a positive outlook on the future because it's easy to get caught up in everything that's going wrong, but we should focus on what we can control and the impacts we can make. So thank you for that, Manny. Yeah, my friend um, gave me this really good piece of advice that I like have written on a post-it note next to um, on my nightstand. And it's like, things take a long time to change. But Mm -hmm. if you know that like you are planting some sort of seeds, like have peace in that in some ways, like, you know, even though that's like, we all want more and we want like tons of change, but also just knowing that, you know, if you can plant seeds, that's sometimes like, the biggest thing we can do is to plant those seeds so that we can continue nurturing them or having others nurture them too. And so I'm like, oh, that's like such a good metaphor. So (laughs) yeah, so I'm always like just trying to think like, where can I plant seeds? Um, Even if it may be super hard right now, or if it may be uncomfortable, if I can plant some seeds, then that, then that just kind of like gives me peace. I planted yeah, some seeds. Absolutely. That's a good way to put it. I think we're all <laughs> planting seeds right now. Yeah, I like mean, you two are planting seeds. <laughs> like planting I seeds. have not, like I, like before you two came out with your podcast, I was like, oh, I have not heard like a podcast that is from like two Cambodian American sisters. Um, I was like, oh, this is good. And hopefully like you two have inspired, you know, folks from your community to come together and build like a stronger podcasting and we just hope audio so too. social media mm-hmm. community. Yeah. Yeah. And we hope that we're not the, you know, the last, right. We right. hope that there will be more coming up. Plant this those year, seeds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. If we all, if we all do something to give back, it's like then, a ripple effect. Yeah. Then it'll mm-hmm. add up at the end. Like we're all working together in different spaces because we can't yeah. be everywhere. We can't do everything. So yeah, I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> you can't, Mandy can't be everywhere. You can't fix everything. Mandy, what does being Chinese American mean to you? Um, I think that being Chinese American also means being a citizen of the world and having the responsibilities of being a global citizen. If I trace my roots back and, you know, as I've been learning about uh, the Chinese diaspora all around the world, you know, it's been interesting to hear like how similar our stories are or were um, like so many people um, they emigrated from China to South America or to North America and that was because um, they were starving or they were hungry or there was yeah just extreme poverty in China which I know mm-hmm. it's like hard to think about especially with how China has developed and grown in less than a century um, but it's just like understanding that you know so many of us who are um, in the global uh, majority, like we all have had similar experiences of um, 
just political issues that have um, affected our homelands and also just that experience of you know our ancestors uh, leaving their homes to seek out better opportunities to make sure their families are fed um, I think it's really important of just understanding like our roots and understanding how united we all are and so I think being Chinese American really does mean like understanding like all these different intersectionalities <laughs> in um, just like global oppressions. Um, like, I don't know if that's like a word yet, but I just made that up. Global oppressions and understanding what we can do as global citizens to really just think about the efforts, um, like the efforts and what we're doing right now and how that can also have, as Melissa was saying, like ripple effects across like different communities that we may not even know yet. You said that beautifully. Thank you so much, Mandy. And we had a great time catching up with you and having you on our podcast today. And we hope that your stories that you shared today will um, allow our listeners to learn from your life journey and get them inspired about traveling the world, learning languages, finding ways to give back to their communities, and also just learn how to help each other. You said that a lot throughout this episode. Um, how can mm -hmm. we give back? How can we lift each other up? And hopefully, whenever this pandemic is under control, we can meet and, um, yeah, we can meet and catch up. Yeah, somewhere, like, central to, like, the three of us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mandy, it was so great getting to know you better and learning about your story. Thanks for sharing your unique perspectives about multiculturalism, navigating around uncomfortable racial and discriminatory situations while traveling abroad, you brought up so many interesting points like the privileges of having a U.S. passport and English being a universal language. I also love the quote that you brought up that your friend shared about the importance of planting seeds and that change takes time, even just small, tiny momentums. All right, listeners, we hope that you enjoyed hearing from Mandy today. If you'd like to learn more about Mandy, please visit her website at mandyquan.com. You can also follow her on Instagram. Be sure to review and rate our podcast if you enjoyed this episode. We're also active on Instagram at Two American Sisters, and we also have a website at twocamericansisters.com. For those who celebrate, we want to wish you a very happy Lunar New Year. Bye! Bye! Bye. Bye.